0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. Good to see all of you. How are you tonight? Praise God. It's good to see you. I mean, you know, after that worship service with that drummer, you ought to be really happy. Just kidding. John, called me at 515. 515. I need a drummer. So she gave me plenty of notice, 45 minutes. Thank you for that. I guess I uh, reap what I sow, huh? <laughs> Amen. Uh, I was just talking to, to my buddy Stephen outside earlier, and I, 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 was, I just remembered something. You know how you have moments in your life where God, God does something for you? Like, let's say he, you receive healing. Anybody have... A moment in your life where you received healing, where you got over something, something, or you had a financial breakthrough and you know, and that is a story that you've told, you know, to friends and to others when you got a chance to testify of God's power in your life and his goodness. Well, um, this is one I haven't shared a whole lot because I didn't really remember the moment that I was no longer plagued with it. It just kind of dawned on me over time, and that was, I used to, to battle tinnitus. You may know, know what tinnitus is, you know, the ringing in the ears, and a lot of that had to do with screaming amplifiers and, and uh, rock and roll music and bars for many years with this guy, as well as uh, uh, some other of our uh, cohorts, and, and, but God, uh, we'd go minister in those places and, and uh, bring, bring the light of the gospel, but, you know, it's loud. And so basically, through my 20s, I battled this ringing in my ear every night. I mean, it was as soon as I would lay down on, on the bed, it seemed like it got louder. And um, so I would have to drown it out with some kind of uh, uh, white noise, you know, some fan or something. And, uh, and then over time, though, and, and I'd done some research on it and found out there really wasn't much that could be done for tinnitus. Um, I, I spoke to an ear, nose, throat guy, and uh, he said, Well, good luck, basically. Um, but you know, uh, I do remember praying. I do remember thanking God that nothing's impossible for him and, uh, and just thanking him for my healing. And Every once in a while, my ears would ring, I would just put my hand on my ear and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm healed in Jesus name. And, and you know what? The ears kept screaming. And you know, sometimes you can feel like an absolute fool when you're walking by faith and, and when you're saying what the word of God says, but what you're experiencing is quite contrary to the word of God. Uh, you, you can, you can feel the mockery. Right, It didn't even have to come from other people. The enemy, he, he's a great mocker, all right? And he will say, he'll come up to you and go, that's really working, isn't it? And he'll start, he'll start bringing a charge against your faith and all this kind of stuff or what you've done wrong or obviously all those kinds of lies. He's just a stupid liar. He's a lying, lousy lizard. And, um, but, you know, just every once in a while. I wasn't, like, aggressive with it, but every once in a while I would just say, thank you for my healing. And then one day I realized I was cured of it. So I just wanted to come and bring testimony tonight uh, to my God who is our, my healer. He's your healer. And that uh, your healing is sure to manifest. I believe that with all my heart. Because Jesus, just as sure as your sins are forgiven. Because in the same afternoon that blood was shed for your sins, stripes were laid on our Savior's back for our healing. The same. You can't separate the two. All right. The same afternoon. The same day it happened. So I just want to thank God and give Him praise for removing, taking that tinnitus. His Word working in my in my life, and no longer do I battle that. So, and you know, you might be facing something, uh, maybe physically, that that you've been told this is kind of something you're going to have to cope with the rest of your life. Something you have to do. Hey, listen. You don't have to accept that. Remember. I want us to remember something about, and I, I love our doctors. I thank God. I had a doctor. There was a doctor working, doing an operation on my mother just this morning. Matter of fact, we appreciate them. She had a. Uh, I don't know if any of you knew this, but she fell the other day and cut four tendons in her arm, and uh, so they had to go in and 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 mend all of those tendons. And then a couple of days ago, one of them popped. So bless her heart. She had to go back in early this morning and get another surgery on that. So. Thank God. She's doing much better now, recovering. Thank God for her, Jesus and hydrocodone. And uh, anyway, but she was, uh, uh, but what was I going with that? So we appreciate, we appreciate doctors. But remember, they are humans. They're not superhumans. They're human. And there is this thing that they are continually doing in their, in their field. It's called practicing medicine. Okay? Practicing, not perfecting, practicing medicine, all right? So there are, that, that's why we don't have to accept that as the final diagnosis, all right? So the doctors are on your side. They're on your side for healing, and I thank God for them that God has given us the ability to receive healing through avenues of medicine, amen, yeah. through the medical field. But we do have something that is greater than that. And the woman with the issue of blood found out there's something greater than what doctors can do. Because the scripture said she had spent all of her money on doctors and did not get any better. As a matter of fact, she got worse. So now she's in a place where people with education that did what they could do, but they couldn't help her. But then she heard about the great physician. Praise God. And when she got a hold of the hem of his garment, everything changed for her. And she received healing, healing for an issue of blood that there was no cure for. All right? Everything is curable as far as your God is concerned. There is no disease that is greater than his sacrifice. I want you to turn over for just a moment to Isaiah. I know we're in Malachi and we'll get there in just a moment. That is Malachi, the last chapter, last book in the Old Testament. Woohoo! Book number 39. We're going to be able to find Jesus a lot easier now. He's going to be very obvious. <laughs> Amen. Isaiah chapter 53. Let me just, and if, and if you're taking notes, um, I want to encourage you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, begin now to take notes. And uh, this, I think this will really help you because sometimes, and I know you've heard me talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it again. Because I believe that... Um, we need to hear it again and again. There are certain things that we need to hear over and over. You know, Paul even talked about him, him repeating himself, and he says, For me to, to be repetitious is it's not tedious. It's actually safe for you that I do this, that I go over these things again. And Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Sure, who did, who's he? All right, he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And, and so when you read that just on the surface, uh, these two words, griefs and sorrows, it, it looks like Jesus took care of all of our sadness, basically, right? And he did. He did bear our sadness. But these words are much, they have much more description to them, much more definition to them. And, and I want to give you the Hebrew word here for, the, for griefs, okay? It is H-A-L-I-Y. H a l i y, Halai. How would you say that, Mr. Tribe of Judah? Uh, that sounds good, Halai. Okay, Halai. <laughs> Hopefully, your dad's not listening to this. And no, I actually hope he is. If you are, hi, Pastor John and Miss Mary. We love you very much. And if your name just happens to be John or Mary, uh, just say that I'm saying hello to you. So, listen to this. This is what halim means, the word that we have for griefs here. Ready? Number one, malady. M-A-L-A-D-Y. Our maladies. Number two, anxiety. Jesus bore your malady, and Jesus bore your anxiety. Number three, calamity. We don't like calamity, and we don't have to accept it because Jesus bore our calamity. Number four, disease. Number five, grief. And number six, sickness. All right there under that, under that word. Surely he has borne. Jesus, now get this now. Jesus has borne your maladies, your anxieties, your calamities, your diseases, your griefs, and your sickness. Right. So the number one definition of this word is actually sickness. Right. Number one definition. Yeah. Now and carried our sorrows. The Hebrew word for that is makab, M-A-K-O-B. M-A-K-O-B, makab, and it means pain and sorrow. Specifically, physical pain and, number two, mental pain. I think that pretty much covers all of it, doesn't it? In other words, he took it all. He carried it all. He bore it all. He carried it all. Every malady, every anxiety, every calamity, every sickness, every disease, every grief, every sorrow, every pain, both physical and mental. And if you're struggling with any of that, it's not for you to bear, and it's not for you to carry. He did that for you. It's an amazing thing our Savior did, and by His stripes we are healed. Now, let's go to Malachi. That was free. No, that was for the first offering. All right. Malachi prophesied um, along anywhere from 445 to 432 um, B.C. He is the the last book in the Old Testament. And um, during this time... Um, and Malachi prophesies during the time that is prescribed, or described, I should say, by uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, all right? Um, So, it was after the return from the Babylonian captivity, and as had been prophesied centuries before by men like Isaiah and Jeremiah, which we covered those things. Um, And the people had grown spiritually lax. Surprise, surprise, right? We've seen this pattern over and over again. Um, and there was indifference to God and his law, both the uh, moral as well as the ceremonial laws. Um, It was kind of a do-your-own-thing kind of time. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? We all know it too well. Calling that which is evil good, uh, that's not a new thing for our generation. That was happening then. And the book of Malachi calls it out. You call that which is evil good. And it seems like the, the more uh, immoral a person is or godless, our media tends to raise them up as the standard, the hero. And uh, so we're, we're, we're seeing this, this moral decline um, right before our very eyes, but, but it's not a new thing. This has happened through centuries. All right, so I just want you to understand that this generation is not really different from many other generations. But let me say something about when a generation of people become like this, always it is on the brink of a major spiritual breakthrough. Always. All right, so we are on the cusp of something fabulous because the enemy senses things in the spirit. He feels the tremors, and so he begins to attack and to to, Put his plan, but he doesn't know what God's plan is. He can't know the mind of God, the thoughts of God. So just by the, the, by the feel of things and seeing things, he begins to attack. And, and, and just know that he's doing that because he knows something in the Spirit is going on. Because he, he is out there in the Spirit. We're, we can't see it, but the enemy can see it. And so he just begins panicking and doing what he can to bring destruction and and, 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 and worry and discouragement to people. But let me just say, lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. And God is on your side, and God is going to show himself strong on your behalf. This church, the church of the living God, is not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout. All right? We're going out with a shout, and we are going out strong and vibrant. When, when, when we meet him in heaven, we meet him in the clouds, as Paul said, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with him in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. We're going out triumphantly. All right? This is not, the, the, it's not about the decline of the church. The church is not declining. If Jesus is building it, it's not declining. All right, it's a poor, poor misunderstanding of some of the scriptures to, to think that the church is going to all, just go all the way to nothing, and then the end's going to come. No, 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 the church is going out strong, all right? That's when all the, that's when the apostasy takes place, when we're out of here. When, when the, the standard of the earth, known as the body of Christ, is gone, taken away, then all hell breaks loose here. But you're not going to have to endure that. Thank God for that. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime, huh? I don't know much about the end times, and I certainly don't claim to be an expert on it. And anybody that does claim to be an expert is just trying to sell a book. So be very leery of them. Because they sell them all the time. That's where we find out that we as Christians really are sheep. But not you. I mean, you're sheep, but you're smart sheep. When we... uh, uh. Even, even the, the matter of not only the people uh, in moral decline, but also divorce and the breakup of the family was also a real problem in Malachi's day. Um, uh, Worshippers often were, were very worldly. They, they offered God only leftovers. And we can see that in the book of Malachi chapter 1, where he talks about them bringing blind and lame animals for sacrifices. And, you know, the Scripture it was very specific about what this lamb should be for the sacrifice for God, for their sin, and, and offer it to God. It was supposed to be a lamb without blemish. You remember that? But, but they, they were disregarding the whole temple sacrifices and, and just accounting it as a casual thing, all right, and just bringing something along the way, just kind of going through the motions and not bringing the best. And see, that was the difference between Cain and Abel's offering. Abel brought an offering, but the Scripture says... In time, he did that. In time, he did it, but Abel always offered up the first and the best. And that's, that's why, and God blessed Abel so much, and Cain said, well, what's going on? I'm, I'm giving too. And God said, you know what the right thing is. You know what the right thing is. So they were, they, were, they were following after their granddaddy Cain and just kind of going through the motions. And many the truth is, many were just plain bored with, with the God and just everything. And, 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 but then here's the thing. After all of this moral decline, there's something that they cry out in, uh, later on in this book, and it says, they ask the question, where is the God of justice? Where is the God of justice? Now that we've, all this calamity has come upon us, why? Because we've brought it upon ourselves. Now they want to, now they want to point their finger at God and say, where's the justice God? That's pretty common in our society, too. They they bring this indictment against God as if he has abandoned his people. And they're the ones that neglected him and suffered the consequences of their actions. So they they were very quick to blame God. (laughs) So I want us to go over to Malachi chapter 3. And I just want to read for a moment here. Malachi chapter three, and we're going to begin in verse one. It's four chapters long. And um, there's some familiar verses in here that you'll see. And in, in the the person of Jesus is just beautiful in this, in this last book. You know, it was after Malachi, you know, trying to bring correction. God trying to bring correction through Malachi to the, to the people of Israel yet again um, that, that they didn't heed the prophet's voice. And then came what is known as the 400 silent years where no prophet spoke on behalf of God. No men, there's no record that men heard from God. Can you imagine that? How old is our nation? 270. 40 240 years old. Imagine that, another 160 years older than what we are as a nation where there's nobody hearing from God. 400 years. And it was like God had written written them off. But he hadn't. He just wasn't talking. Cuz he cuz his experience was nobody was listening. And they had already killed all the prophets. Watch this. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now who do we think? Who do you think he's talking about? Let's go over to Isaiah chapter 40. I think. Isaiah, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, chapter 40 and verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, let's go to Mark, the book of Mark. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Mark 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Did we just read that in Malachi? Who will prepare your way before you? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. We just read that in Isaiah, didn't we? John came baptizing, so both of these prophets were were prophesying of John the Baptist, who would come and prepare the way for Jesus. Now let's go back to Malachi, chapter three. Behold, I send my messenger, verse one, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant. I love the way it describes Jesus right there. The messenger of the covenant. The messenger of the covenant. So now we have to go to Hebrews for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 8. Who's that that? Uh, Alex, you're back there. God bless you, man. I didn't give the computer guy any scriptures before service tonight. So everybody say, we love you, Alex. <laughs> Verse 6. But now he has obtained, talking about Jesus, a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Hallelujah. Now, let's go down to. 13, in that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Praise God. Now, again, back to Malachi chapter 3, and we understand that Jesus is the messenger of the new covenant. He began to come and teach us, lay down the edicts of this new covenant, And that new covenant had to do with love God and love your neighbor. And all the rest of the the rules fall right under that. Originally, God gave him 10. Jesus said, if you'll just do these two, everything else will take care of itself. Love God, love your neighbor. All right? so." Listen to this, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. An offering in righteousness. So it's saying that the John is going to come and he's going to prepare the way. And you've been asking for him, and he's going to come, and he's going to come suddenly to the temple. Well, let's see what that looked like. Let's go to over to John two, John chapter two, and see what what that looks like. Alright, it's okay if we walk around the Bible a little bit. Verse 13, John 2, 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords... He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house is eaten me up. That's what he's talking about. When he comes, he's coming suddenly to the temple. And you're not going to like what he brings. He's bringing a whip. I love that it says that Jesus made the whip. He came up there, and he saw what was going on, and he went and sat down, and he started constructing a whip. So Jesus wasn't in there just losing his temper. This was a calculated move on his part, all right? It wasn't just a a rage. He didn't just see red. He sat down and thought, I'm hitting you first, and then I'm going to get you. I'm going to turn that table over on it, then I'm going to beat that guy a couple of times. It's there and just constructs that whip and it goes in there and starts kicking rear end and taking names. Now, but we see this happen twice. Later on, over in Matthew, chapter 22, I believe. Let's turn there for a moment just to make sure. I don't know that for sure. I just kind of made that up. Yeah, I did kind of make it up because it's not there maybe 21 if it's not 21 we'll just forget it Uh, it is 21 Matthew 21 sorry guys I'll study harder uh, Matthew 21 verse 12 then Jesus went out into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and he said to them it is written my house should be called the house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves so we see that if this happened at the very beginning of Jesus ministry And it happened at the very end. Think he's getting a message across to him? Huh? Happened at the very beginning. Now this happened, this happened after, after they came, they said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This happened right after the triumphal entry, after he came in and he went right into the temple. And just started tearing them up. So it says, when he's coming, and Jesus is coming to deal with especially those who were administering all of the, uh, the, the, the temple practice, the, the Jewish leaders of that time, the religious leaders. And, and we even see how Jesus, the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 23 is him giving a scathing rebuke to the Pharisees. I mean, from start to finish, he calls them hypocrites, brood of vipers, the blind leading the blind over and over again. And he came there, why? Because they asked for it back here. They asked for it, and so he's Malachi's talking about that day when he comes, this is what's coming with him. Now back to Malachi can't say it now. Malachi, 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 Malachi. You know it was Casey and uh, Parish of Stone's boy. His name was Malachi. And I used to call him Malachi when he was a little bitty. He'd look at me and say, It's Malachi. Which made me say Malachi more. Because I love tormenting children. (laughs) Just kidding. Look at verse 6. For I am the Lord and I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. We see that theme throughout many of these these prophets, right? Throughout even the major and the minor prophets. It's as simple as returning. Or sometimes he would say, turn to me. And God is always there welcoming. He's never going, well, we'll see see how serious you are this time because you've you've turned to me before. And God doesn't, he's not like us. He's not holding what happened before against them. He, he says, if you'll turn to me, man, everything gets all, you, you get all the mercy, you get all the grace, and it's like nothing ever happened before. I love this with our God. See, that's what makes the miracle, that's what makes what Jesus did for us such a miracle, that God was in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.13, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has given to us the ministry of, of reconciliation, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, God now is looking at a world where he's not looking at a sinful world. He's looking at a reconciled world because of what Jesus did. Now, that's hard for me to imagine that because we look around us and we see a lot of sin in the world, don't we? Hmm? We see a lot of sin. We heard a lot of lying on Monday night, a lot of lying. They don't care. They're not, they're not, they don't care. They just, they just lie, 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 lie. And you want my vote? Okay. Uh-huh. Amen. I have to pick Heather. <laughs> <laughs> this happens over. I mean, it's just become so regular. Just no accountability. Just lied through their teeth. Just whatever to get a vote. And just all. And, and, and just violence upon violence so we see this stuff all the time i mean how how many times are we going to hear about another school shooting in this country it's just it's like it's like every day day we're, we're almost becoming numb to all of this horrific news i mean when columbine happened we remember that we're it stunned us for for a month but then you hear about another one and you know and you're like oh well let me check instagram now you know, it's just like, it's just kind of part of our society now. We're just numbed to it. We're just getting information overload all the time. So, so news is just news. And even though we're in that and we see that every day, yet God is looking at a world that he has reconciled. And if we don't see this world how God sees it, if we don't see this world how God sees it, then we're going to bring the wrong message to this world. We're going to hammer on their sin. We're going to hammer on all kinds of stuff. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, and we're going to start saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Uh, Are you kidding me? Come on. This is the message we bring. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ was... We cannot expect unbelievers to have a righteous standard hey listen to me if a sinner ceases to sin he still don't get saved so that's not the message we bring stop sinning it's not wrong for a sinner to sin it's wrong for a christian to sin a sinner's just that's his nature he can't help himself He's being pulled around by the God of this world, by the prince of the power of the air. He is totally under his control. Or she. I'm going to leave you ladies out. Totally under his control. They're just acting like their father, Adam. Huh? They need to be born again. Then, now, we can talk about a righteous standard. But our message to the sinner is not you need to improve your lifestyle. No, they don't need, a. they they are dead in their trespasses. They need to be made alive under God, amen? So we bring a message that is hope, that is life, that is Christ-centered, not sin-centered. Amen. He became the sin center. So now God sees them, and it's impossible now that God is angry with mankind. And the world needs to hear that God's not angry with them. I don't care the worst kind of sinner out there those who say that I don't believe in God there's a moment in their life maybe a time at night when they're laying their head on that pillow and they feel that loneliness that deep horrific void in their own life and they might suppress it in in unrighteousness they might suppress it with drugs with all kinds of things to try to numb that void but the truth is every person is born Everyone is born with knowing that that void is there and knowing that only God can fill that void. Romans chapter 1 teaches us that we all have the sense of God. Even as Godhead, we're born with it. How are we born with it? Because we're made in His image. We can't help but have the knowledge of Him on some level so that men are without excuse. Men choose to suppress that truth and unrighteousness and push it away and wish it away and just not want to talk about it, but listen to me. God has already proven himself by making us like him and shown us that we cannot escape. We can't escape him. We can escape his wrath. We can escape his wrath through Jesus Christ. The scripture says, who has saved us from the wrath to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is wrath coming. It's not God God the Father's wrath. It's Jesus' wrath on those who reject his sacrifice. All right. Are we okay? Yeah. Watch this. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now this answer is interesting to me. What do you think God's answer should be? Hit your knees, repent, you know, whatever. But look what he says. In what way do we return to you? Watch what he says. He says, will the man rob God? I find it really interesting that the book, the Old Testament, opens up with a man robbing God, stealing God's fruit from his tree. And now God's bringing it up again at the very end. Will a man rob God? Yet, you have robbed me. Watch. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Look what he says. Come on, let's read it nice and loud like like we believe this stuff. In tithes and offerings. Okay, he says, return to me. Well, how do we do that? Will a man rob God? You've been robbing me in tithes and offerings. In other words, you don't have a heart for the house, therefore you don't have a heart for me. And he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse or to the church that there may be, what? Let's go further, verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What were they bringing to the storehouse? Some. Bring all the tithes of the ark, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of the heaven, this is, this is what I want to do for you. For those of you who have a heart for my house, where is God's heart? It's in his house. We've, done, we've gone over this many times. His eyes are on his house, and his heart is in his house. Yeah. The house of God, all today known as the church. Says the says, if I will not open for you, the windows of heaven pour out for you. Now, this, remember, this is under an old covenant. We have a better covenant than this, all right, a, co- a covenant that has no curse, thank you, God. Such blessing that there will not be room enough. This is, listen to what God wants to do for these stiff-necked, indifferent, non-caring, lazy, lackadaisical people. Keep bringing it. Up, uh, keep it back, and I will rebuke the devourer for such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I remember one time my brother was telling me this had happened years and years ago, and uh, he, he, when he was just first pastoring the, his church down in Austin, and he said, uh, he said, "Man, I, we we had been in a financial." just under the crunch for a long time. And he said, and it finally got to me. He said, so I got in my car. He said, I'm driving around. And he said, he said, man, I'm mad. And he said, I'm telling God, God, your word says that you would rebuke the devourer for me. You know that we've been faithful in our giving. You said you would do that. Now what's up with that? You said you would. and, and, And the Lord said, look around you. So he's, he looks around in his car while he's driving and he sees all these to go bags, like at uh, McDonald's and Wendy's and, and all that. And, and he said, The Lord told me, uh, You're the devourer. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And watch, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Interesting how God tied them returning to him by being willing givers. Remember, want to talk to you some time ago about Naaman, the story of Naaman? How, how the evidence of a changed heart... Is seen in generosity. He immediately wanted to give when he got healed there in those waters. He immediately wanted to give. A changed heart is a giving heart. And it really reflects who God is because he so loves that he gives. And even when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, now this is interesting to me, he said a year ago, I'm paraphrasing what he says, but he says, a year ago, you told me that you were going to give an offering because there were some needs over in, this, this, over in Jerusalem, and so a year ago, you told me you were going to do it. Well, now, now it's time to give. And then, and then he says these words, I, I, I feel like they might have had to sting a little bit. He said, now what I'm doing is, and asking you and reminding you of this, is I'm testing the sincerity of your love. How? In your giving. By whether you're going to give or not, because giving is an expression of love. It is proof, it is evidence that love is there. All right? So that's what God is saying. He said, they said, how do we return to you? He said, if I see giving back in the house, then I'll know. Then I'll, then I'll know that you're not withholding anything from me, that nothing is coming between me and you. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Eric. I know. I always feel like I'm walking through mud when I'm talking about tithes and offerings. I'm just kidding. And I want to go to one last place. This has kind of been the, well, we've seen the person of Jesus, and we've seen really the attraction here, but uh, chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up. And he's talking about the last day, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves, You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. I love that description of Jesus. The son of righteousness, S-U-N, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And the scripture tells us, and I'll finish with this. And it speaks it so beautifully in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Can I get a good amen tonight? Let's. Well, we have finished the Old Testament. Wow. This has been great, huh? 39 books. So now we're going to begin next week. We'll jump right into the book of Matthew. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all have different expressions of Jesus, and I cannot wait to to talk about those things. Glorious, glorious books, and uh, we're just going to go up from here. We have 27 to go, and uh, let me just say, these are a bit easier. These we understand because we're living in a lot of these books. Amen. So let's stand together tonight. Father, thank you so much. Can we just, let's just lift our hands to the Lord and give him thanks tonight. Hey, by the way, The sacrifices that they were offering back then, you know, God just said, you know what, this is the sacrifice that I want today. I want a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. Can we just do that? Let the fruit of your lips be known. Let it be full of thanks and praise. Thank him for his goodness to you. Thank him tonight. This blesses him. As you give him thanks and as you praise his glorious name, it comes up to him a sweet-smelling aroma. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, that you called us Gentiles into this great covenant. Hallelujah. You, you called us outsiders, we who were strangers, God. You brought us near by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You washed us in your blood. You sanctified us, Lord. You justified us. And, Lord, you glorified us. Thank you, Lord, for that, that you called us out of darkness and you brought us into your marvelous light. Thank you that you chose us. You called us, Lord. You accepted us, Lord. You forgave us. Amen. You healed us, Lord. You blessed us. You delivered us, God. And I thank you, Lord, that all good things in our life continually come from you, Lord. Every good thing in our life, and for that, we thank you for the good things that you continually give us. We thank you that our high priest is seated there next to you, that he is there as our high priest of the good things to come, according to Hebrews chapter 9, the high priest of the good things to come. And we thank you, Lord, that as long as Jesus, our Savior, our elder brother, is seated next there to God, we can expect good things will continue to come into our lives, because God is good, and he does good. Thank you, Lord, for that. We bless you. Thank you. It's your goodness, God, that brings us to repentance. It's your goodness that changes us. It's your goodness, God, that draws us closer to you, that makes us want to live a life that pleases you, God. It makes us want to shake off the sin and the weight that so easily besets us, God, and to run this race with endurance, God, looking unto Jesus who ran the full race and in the end could shout out, it is finished, and even like the Apostle Paul who said, I have run my race, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for, for those, those who we can look to, God, and know if they did it, we can do it because the same spirit that was in them and on them is in us and on us today. Thank you, Father God. I pray just for refreshing for those who are here tonight, Lord, who are weary. Those, who, Lord, who who, who have just been kind of... Tro- treading through mud. I think you that tonight, Lord, their, their pace yeah, gets yeah. swifter, God. Hallelujah, that the weight comes off in the name of Jesus and they begin to run. Their stride gets stronger and longer, Lord. Hallelujah, I thank you, Lord, that you bless them in their race. You bless them in their walk of faith, Lord. Thank you, God, that they, 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 they will rise up with wings like eagles, Lord. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Now that as we leave here tonight, Lord, and we go into our homes, Lord, that as your people enter their homes, peace enters their homes. Peace in their marriages. Peace on their children. Peace in their home. Peace in their minds. Peace in their sleep. Peace in their rising up and in their laying down. Peace on their jobs. Peace in that car peace in their conversation, peace amongst their co-workers, God. Thank you, Lord, that when they go out there into the world, peace goes with them. And a light burns bright from them, God. And a message, Lord, comes pouring out of their lips, Lord. As as you described it from Jesus, grace is upon their lips. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for these great ministers who have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. God, that that compelling would continue to burn in us to tell the world, be reconciled to God. I have good news for you. Jesus Christ is your Savior. Hallelujah. God has come and forgiven you of all your sins. You you can have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord, for that. Bless your people, Lord. I thank you for your favor upon them. I thank you, Lord, for increasing them financially, increasing them, Lord, in health, Increasing them, Lord, in love, in joy, in grace, and peace in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we go from here tonight, we go here in the name of Jesus. May all we say and do bring glory and honor to our God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.